0: Planning and Urban Design Consultancy with one of the Associate Directors, Lizzie Lamar, who's going to talk to us a little bit about how Tibbles has developed and some of their award-winning schemes, and particularly um, King's Crescent. And uh, we've been working on some of the landscape and sub schemes on this uh, scheme in Hackney. And Lizzie's going to talk to us about some of the planning complexities and some of the ways that they worked to deliver a really good first phase. And I believe you're also working on the second phase as well.
1: Yes, we yeah.
0: So please tell us a little bit about it and uh, how you've uh, developed this particular way of working to deliver
1: such good schemes across London. <laughs> um, well at support we really believe in um, working collaboratively with um, the design team so rather than being a kind of um, arm's length planning consultant we like to get involved and um, because of our um, uh, multidisciplinary team so we have planners, urban designers and architects here um, we've got that kind of base knowledge to really help inform proposals. Um, so at King's Crescent, um, it had quite a complex planning history. And they'd had various attempts to try and get planning consents that hadn't always worked or not necessarily been the best approach for that site. Um, so we were involved in the, in the first phase and the successful attempt to get planning for that, um, working with Switch Castle architects and Muff landscape architects. Um, to uh, we've got an outline planning consent and then the reserve matters for the first phase which have now been built out um, and it's is really successful, people are really enjoying living there now. Um, and the landscape is a particularly great part of the first phase. Um, the ski, our brief from our client was always to have a public realm and landscape led approach to the uh, master planning. Um, and I think that's been successfully integrated.
0: So tell us a little bit about how um, the architects and landscape architects have worked the green infrastructure to deliver a better planning proposal because obviously different boroughs have different planning policies and planning conditions that you obviously have to take into account as a planning consultancy. So how did that work to make a more successful scheme if there were lots of previous difficulties and iterations that you had to go through to to get it through, basically?
1: A state of regeneration is always really complicated. You're trying to balance a lot of different requirements, and the site has to often work really hard. So you're quite often increasing the density of the site, so increasing the number of people that are living there. And then that obviously puts more pressure on the external spaces as well. So you need to accommodate things like play space, suds and drainage, planting, green infrastructure, and being able to kind of get all of those things to work together without... Competing is is difficult, and I think one of the things at Kings Crescent that's really successful is um, that these things are are all combined. So we've got um, an access road that is also a play street. So there's bits of play equipment that have been um, dotted along there, but they're not. It's a natural approach to play. So um, whilst it's suitable for young children to use, it's you know it's there for everybody as well. Um, And then in some of the the, um, residential courtyards, um, there's been some quite clever ways of combining green infrastructure with play. So, for example, in one of the courtyards, there's some allotments um, and green planting. Um, And then there's also a children's scooter track that goes around the outside. So it's just this kind of clever ways of um, integrating things together.
0: And making a more multifunctional space, I suppose, Um, because obviously we have to make our green infrastructure do more than just amenities space yes, so they've yeah. done that well on there. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you about the scheme was obviously retrofitting was quite a big part of the agenda mm-hmm. wasn't it because yes. how
1: many
0: delivered, was it about 700 homes a part of that
1: phase? Or? Uh, so 700, the, the whole master plan will deliver 700 um, homes um, so the first phase has delivered about half of that and then we're working on the second, the designs for the second phase at the moment. Um, but in total when it's all built out it will be about 700 homes um, and the approach to the refurbishment of the existing blocks has, has been really successful I think on the first phase so they, um you know it's quite hard to, to you know they, the, the new buildings work really well with the old buildings and it's not a kind of um, as it can be sometimes you know a kind of new shiny building that's been beamed down from space um, they have been designed to work very well together and the refurbishment of the existing blocks has helped to kind of tie it all together so um, I think that's worked really well particularly the material selection um, <clears throat> and some of the um, the benefits of, of of doing that refurbishment work means that people who are in those existing blocks that say before didn't have any of their own private external amenities spaces now have a balcony um, and so it's, it's kind of benefits for existing residents have been um brought about
0: so i suppose it's a case of using the master planning phase using that idea of connecting landscape and the built form to bring older and new communities together in essence because you'll have new residents and existing residents and they'll have to be sharing this new landscape yeah
1: yeah and i mean i think that's one of the so it just won the mayor's award at the New London Architecture Awards and I think that's one of the reasons that it won is because of the approach to trying to tie the community together um, rather than having a kind of new residents, old residents approach. Um, what's happened is it's it, you know it's all one cohesive um, neighbourhood now really and that's, that's the idea that we're hoping to carry through into the second phase.
0: So do you think there'll be some particular challenges to the second phase or do you think you've got a way of working now that you can sort of roll out or are
1: there different challenges for that part of the site? Um, I think the so the four principles are going to be the same. So it's about trying to um, have a, a landscape and public realm led scheme. Um, the it's a different it is a different type of the, the arrangements of the second phase are slightly different. Um, so it's not going to be the same kind of courtyard approach to to it. There's going to be some more bigger public spaces. Um, and I guess the ch- some, part of the challenge is, is the first phase has been so good and people like it so much. So it's sort of trying to make sure that we carry that through into the second phase.
0: So obviously if you've got more open space in the, in the second phase or a little bit more to play with by the sound of it, will you be looking a bit more at sort of opportunities for marrying up green infrastructure and water management in a multifunctional way if you've got a different layout and then more yeah. opportunities?
1: So one of the things that the Landscape Architects market have been looking at is um, there's a large public space in the middle um, that needs to accommodate a mooga, so a play area, planting, green infrastructure, and various other um, bits. yeah. I like
0: that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so a games area. Um, And they've been looking at some quite clever ways of trying to accommodate. um, So rather than being your kind of standard football you know, ball court, um, looking at ways to um, have the fence treatment to be greened um, rather than everything being kind of hard landscape and then using um, planting and um, clever sort of landscape to put seating in and, and things so it's more of a um, rather than often playing equipment like that it's kind of shoved around the back so that people can't see it but actually it's sort of being celebrated here. That's
0: excellent and do you think this will be a sort of way of working that you'll be able to roll out in other boroughs? Have you got any other projects at the moment that you're looking at that you'll be taking this landscape led approach to
1: in, in many ways? Yeah I mean at TIPODs we do lots of estate regeneration projects um, and I you know, the landscape is always the thing that ties it together and it's actually the... It's, it's one of the really positive things for existing residents to kind of get their heads around. You know, they're quite often... Um, the public realm is quite poor or it's been neglected for, for a number of years. It's been difficult to maintain, so often it's a kind of negative, And then actually what development can bring is a really kind of positive um, new landscape that's for everybody. Um, So rather than just being for the new residents, it does help sort of tie everything together. Um, We did a similar... I've been working on some estate regenerations in Camden as well. Um, And there's a project called The Bourne Estate that I worked on that's got... um, It's a historic estate where we've um, built some new buildings and that's open now as well. And the landscape there is really successful at tying the old and the new together.
0: No, that's a, it's a really important approach to take, and I suppose the challenge is you, you have sometimes a, quite a, a difficult mix of social housing market rate or housing market rate, and how? what do you think the challenges are for, for a planning consultancy to accommodate those different typologies of land
1: and use yeah. and possible values? Yeah, I mean, it's very complicated, and you're often fighting different views, so um, and we would, we would support an approach of mixed tenure so mixing everybody up and actually creating a mixed and balanced community but often you have the, um, uh, the commercial people on the other side saying this is going to create more value and it's a fine balance between creating value because that allows you to deliver more for the public and more so more affordable housing um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of fine balance um, And what I like to avoid is trying to avoid a kind of really agent-led approach, where they have a very fixed view of what the market wants. And actually, I think sometimes um, you need to take some of that kind of with a pinch of salt and um, let the scheme evolve. As it feels natural in that side. Yeah.
0: So, um, obviously, we've just had a new revised NPPF come out, and uh, probably not everybody's had a chance to scrutinise it, but what do you think some of the real challenges to national planning policy have been for you as a consultancy? Because obviously there's not a lot of detail in some areas, particularly we found when it comes to green infrastructure and landscape, it's almost up to boroughs and local authorities to lead the way and sometimes they don't ask for very much at all.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean, so when we moved towards having the MPPF um, back in 2012, We used to have a whole swathe of planning documents, and then suddenly it gets um, reduced down to just one document, Um, and it does have to be quite broad. Um, I think the the thing that's interesting in the new version is the emphasis on design, which is really encouraging, Um, so making sure that design is now much more part of the, the planning system. I think that helps with some of the kind of green and blue infrastructure. As well, making sure that those things are incorporated into proposals. Um, it's, at Tupples, we feel really strongly about good design um, and that it needs to be linked with planning. Um, all of the projects we have, we really have a kind of design led approach to them, um, making sure that things are the best that they can be rather than a kind of traditional planning, land use type approach.
0: So obviously when you're working with some of these mixed use schemes, some of the challenges are also maintenance afterwards. So you've regenerated an area, they've got a lovely shiny new site. Um, yeah. Do you often see the sort of, um, do you see the development of communities taking ownership over these new areas? Do you revisit and have a look and see how they've evolved and who looks after particular areas? That's always a concern with local authorities about who's gonna look after yeah. it when it's yeah. handed over.
1: It is really difficult, and often, so at the beginning of a project, you'll start with a kind of beautiful, um, exciting design landscape design that's got lots of different types of planting or different types of equipment, and then slowly it kind of gets more and more dumbed down as um, the maintenance requirements and the kind of management costs of things come in. Um, I think from experience now, as, as more and more of these kind of local authority led projects happen, people have got. Um, better at at designing something that councils can manage and being quite creative at at, at being able to work within the parameters of what councils can maintain and manage Um, I think sometimes the resident-led schemes can they can be really successful but you need you really need to have a kind of core group of people that are really interested in using those spaces if you're going to give them over because I think there's nothing worse than seeing a kind of nice community garden or allotments that actually no one's using.
0: So I suppose it, it comes down to who are you handing it over to, mm. what are the conditions, yeah. and a lot of the time there's only a sort of two-year plan for looking
1: after some of these sites. Yeah.
0: I mean, maybe something along those lines of changing that that length of time people have to maintain. Yeah, and I think
1: things. yeah yeah i mean so often your planning conditions will say you need to maintain the landscape yeah for two for up to two years um or if you know trees fail in that time then you need to replace them but yes there's nothing for after that um and i think a lot a lot with kind of resident-led um gardening initiatives you know you need to support them they need to be kind of there needs to be a bit of education and like a little bit of funding to help them to to keep that going and actually, the. the the small amount of money that you would have to put into that and then the gains you get out of it, I think are, are really big.
0: Well, thank you very much for talking to us about your work and uh, hopefully we'll hear some more about how Phase 2 is okay, going. Yeah, special Thank you Great. very much.
1: Thanks.